Love is in the air. It's Valentine's Day. Players we love today and we hate that freaking humidor. Don't we hate it? Boo. Are you kidding me? What are you talking about? No, we hate it. Every Every stadium needs a humidor. I told, oh, I told you gosh. they were going to change the baseballs. I've, I've seen that take on Twitter. And you know what? The, to me, I mean, I, you know, I only know about what I've read. That That's my understanding of the humidor. I don't have this, like, vast knowledge of my own. But, like... You don't have a humidor? The hu- Putting a humidor in most stadiums would have no impact because the environmental conditions are similar to what the humidor ex- puts on the balls. So, I, just, I just want everybody to know that Scott has... Already asked to be out of the fantasy football draft that we have this afternoon, so he can write about the humidor. This yes. is massive news. It is if, massive. He's got white. Massive. If anyone in this room, and we are all in the room today. Yes, we are. I'm in, I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Um, Hooray! If anyone here was going to have a humidor in their, in their home, Heath is the obvious choice, right? For alcohol, like for wine, for cigars. For oh, cigars. oh, that's yes. what you put in there. Yeah, yes. I don't drink, I don't smoke, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do with the, with the humidors. Sure. Okay, so listen, um, we'll talk about that. Chase Field will install a humidor. Uh, hopefully, we'll know more about the effects in the coming days. But you know, it could be pretty significant. Does that mean Paul Goldschmidt's no longer the number three pick in the draft? Yep. Maybe. For depends. Me, not. Depends on oh, what draft he's, he's not. This is. I, this is. Like this is a huge deal, Wait. and this is crushing That's news. Teaser, to me. teaser. Oh, you weren't actually asking. Come no, on, I guys. Teasing. I was teasing the segment. Uh, we're gonna start with players we love. Do a, if we can a little buy or sell. And I kind of made it a, a decision yesterday. By the way, Chris, thank you for printing out my notes and forgetting two pages. Appreciate no. that. Yep, yep. No. Yeah. No. Forgot some. No. Oh, front it's and back. Excited. We're oh. being we're being environmentally conscious. That's the default here, printer Adam. setting. And I always forget to undo it, and it ruins my day. Um, I think I think I want to start position previews tomorrow. How do we feel about that? We'll catch her tomorrow. Sure. We're doing five podcasts this week. No, we won't do one Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then come back and and do first base after our little four day weekend. So anyway, let's start with players we love. And uh, Scott, go for it. Well, not to preempt any humidor talk, but the player I love, I've loved for a long time. I've loved dating back to last summer, but this humidor news makes me want to put a ring on it. <laughs> I knew I loved Zach you Godley. Before I met you. Zach freaking Godley. I thought I'd dream you. Yeah, Zach Godley. All right, Zach Godley. <laughs> last year, oh, do you remember who it was last year? I remember who it was. Uh, last year it was Mitch Haniger. Yeah, it was right? Mitch, Mitch Haniger. Always yeah. an Arizona connection. Yeah, very good. Um, That's good. so Zach Godley, the story of Zach Godley is this. Top 10 in ground ball rate last year. Top 10 in swinging strike rate last year. He's dominating in two of the, the three aspects of pitching that, uh, he has the most control over. I think it's an ace profile. I think if you just look at his raw numbers last year, he wasn't that far from being an ace. Obviously, didn't have the innings total. He wasn't in the starting rotation from the start of the season. Uh, got screwed in win-loss record, even though he pitched for a playoff team. So that that helped to uh, suppress the hype for Zach Godley. Uh, but if he just continues what to do what he did last year, I think we're talking about um, a fringe Cy Young candidate, and it may not even be that fringy anymore if the humidor has the impact that a lot of the studies suggest it's going to have. Yeah. Is, is he the, the new poster child? If he has a good year, is he the new poster child for there's no such thing as a pitching prospect? <sighs> like 20, I, don't, I 20, don't know that I agree. Like I, I never really old, understood that expression. 26 years old as, at, at the time of his breakout, was never uh-huh. a prospect. Okay. My early numbers are fine, but he had a 640 ERA last year. This is not someone that two years ago anybody saw coming as even a, ma- a fringe major leaguer. Okay, but why why is that unique to pitching? Because it happens more with pitching. Okay, if you say so. I've, Chris, I've known we're a We're trying of to talk prospects. about love, Chris. You need to be on. You need you to be ADP boy Scott. right now. We need to know where Zach Godley's going. I don't have that. Hundred and twenty third overall. He is going, Zach Godley is going before David Price, uh, and Kyle Hendricks. Wow, David Price is lower than I expected. Yeah. Uh, so the pitchers are like Sonny Gray, Zach Godley, David Price, Kyle Hendricks, and a lot of hitters in this range. 123rd overall. All right, Zach Godley is Scott's player he loves. Give me one, 
somewhat controversial player that you take Godly over? I take Godly over. I would take Godly over John Lester. Is that controversial enough? Masahiro Tanaka. <laughs> he's only the thirty-first pitcher being drafted right now, which seems insane. Yeah, he's like twenty-first in my pitcher rankings. Like Alex Wood is being taken above him, and I'm not sure that makes a ton of sense. Would you? ADP boy, I love it. Uh, Heath, you're up. Player you love. Scott's player he loved is somebody he's loved for a long, long time. Scott's into these long relationships. <laughs> not me. I've got, as the great song said, hungry eyes. <laughs> so I will talk about a player that I've got a little puppy love for right now because I just realized I loved him yesterday, mm. and that is Wilson Ramos. Ooh, I just did my Ramos notes this morning, and I'm pretty – I'm feeling Wilson Ramos. You, of course – probably have the same notes I do because I'm going to do an Adam Azer yes. thing. So do you want to go ahead and You're give the numbers? Right? No, not not going to do an Adam Azer thing. I was what, going to last 32 games, not even last 32 games. Like he uh, was, the, the old 32 games. Split. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, he only played 64. So it's half he, the season. he was awful, awful, awful for the first month after recovering from a very bad injury. And he's a catcher. After that first month, from July 30th to the end of the year, he hit 293 with an 808 OPS. This is a catcher. The one position that Chris agrees is weak in terms of fantasy value. He hit over 300 in his last full season. Um, I love Wilson Ramos. Yeah. And Ramos was the number three catcher in fantasy in 2016. 307 batting average, 22 homers in 131 games. Uh, yeah, you know, if he just does what he did last year in 131 games instead of 64, he would have been the number eight catcher in points leagues. And we expect him to be better than he was last year because he got off to such a slow start after tearing the ACL. Um, but it was a vision issue, right? That got fixed with him? Because he wasn't, he was never nearly that good before 2016. Did he have LASIK or something? I believe he had LASIK, yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay, great. So Zach Godley for, Z for Scott? Yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little worried about the way this relationship started with Wilson Ramos. It's a little too, uh, Tom Cruise on the Oprah couch for me. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, well, it may be over in another month, but all of somebody else I'd love. You would yeah. take, you would take Wilson Ramos over who? JT Realmuto. Okay. Whew. Chris Towers, you Whew. are up. I totally agree, by the way. Why? Like, wow. what's Realmuto? I was going to wait for catcher preview, but like, he doesn't. He doesn't do anything for your fantasy team. He just plays a lot. He just exists. And now he's on the gonna, a, maybe the worst offense in baseball. That's a big maybe. deal for a catcher. Maybe. Uh, yeah, he's he's, he's, he's going to the next one out the door. He's going to play. True. He's going to play a ton. Help. He might be Wilson Ramos' eventual replacement in Washington. Um, that would help. But the argument in favor of taking Wilson Ramos that I think is really strong is the number twelve projected catcher is projected to be the number 291 player. That's bad. That is really bad. That is just <laughs> if you don't account for positions and you just account for production. All right, Chris, you're up. Who do you love? So the player I love is Gary Sanchez, who uh -huh. I think gives you the a bigger edge over the competition at that position than any other player possibly could. The gap between him and the number two catcher, in the projections, is about the same as the gap between the number one first baseman and the number 14 Let's first Let's baseman. pause for a second and and bully Heath into putting Sanchez one in points over Posey. Because he's got a one think, in Roto. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any reason to not have Gary Sanchez number one. Um, Buster Posey, I think he can bounce back a little bit in terms of the power. He only hit, what, 14 home runs last season or 12? This is very mild bullying. <laughs> this this is like I, I just come at him. You can stronger. do better Gary, than this. Gary Sanchez has played what two hundred two hundred games in the major leagues. He's I, homered sure. at a nearly 40, 40 home runs per one hundred and fifty game pace. Sure. He's one of two catchers who's even remotely likely to play one hundred and forty games. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably We're not sure about that anymore. No, I think I think he will. All right, he's his bat is no. too valuable to take out of the lineup. They're going to get his bat in the lineup as often as they can. Uh, you want some bullying? I'm not a good bully either, but this is the closest I can do. Because this is points leagues, right, where he still has Posey ahead last year in points leagues. So, you know, maybe he doesn't think Sanchez is actually who he was last year. Maybe. I don't know. But last year, Gary Sanchez averaged 3.38 points per game, Buster Posey 2.89. That, sir, what a bully, is like the difference between 
find the most outlandish example you can. I'll talk for just a second so you can search for it. <laughs> no, that's Let's like that's like the difference between Justin Turner and Eugenio Suarez. I mean, just in terms of projected 2018 production for Roto, too. It the difference between Gary Sanchez and Buster Posey is the difference between Buster Posey and Travis Darno. I love. I mean, we all love Sanchez. If the question is when do you take him, you know, second get, round. Then you're gonna. You're, that's like, fine, but you're gonna if, be passing up like if yeah, we're gonna be great taking, players. That's, that's fine, but if we're gonna be taking Corey Seager in the second or third round because he's a shortstop, Gary Sanchez should be a second rounder because he's a catcher. Like yeah. there needs to be a a mo- like. He might be worth a second or third round pick just on his raw production alone if he was a first baseman. Like, we're talking about, he could be Jose Abreu. I don't think so. No. Why well, not? Because he's not going to play 155 games. He might play 145 games, though. I don't know why. Well, he, he played he like might. 130 last year while missing a month. But 122. He, and he missed a month. And here's the, here's the problem we ran into, because they got Stanton, and they have five outfielders for three spots, plus a DH. So. Okay, on the days where Gary Sanchez isn't catching, do we really think they want Aaron Hicks bat in the lineup instead of Gary Sanchez? Like, there's no They want reason. his defense. I really they could, they could easily shift Gardner over to center. Yeah, like, I, I don't. I really think Gary Sanchez is going I, to be I hope you're right. the primary he, DH. When I he love Gary Sanchez is awesome. Gary Sanchez is my number one catcher in yeah. row. I expect Gary Sanchez to play towards the very top of the most at the catcher position. I don't. I'm not saying he's not going to play as much as any other catcher. I don't right. think he's going to play as much as your average first baseman. But Buster Posey has pretty much always played as much as any other. But catcher. their outfield and, got a lot better this offseason. just like the Yankees did. The thing that I yes. like about Posey and points, obviously, is the fact he's going to walk almost as often as he strikes out, if not more than he strikes a lot out. Of good it did for him and he year. has a huge regression coming, well, there not you go. in the home runs, there you go. but in runs and RBI. He had a terribly unlucky year in terms of run production. Right. Their offense was awful last year. Their I, offense got better. Let, he will score let, let, and drive in a lot more runs. Let me see if I can find the average point per game average from 2017 when, uh. Okay. Yeah, you but look you that up. I, pre- I take exception to Chris. First of all, picking Gary Sanchez as the player he loves, right? Because that's like we could all say, "Oh, I love Emma Stone." No, but like, I you're, love. You're like, but I love. But I'm saying Gary Sanchez is. I would I would argue he is dramatically undervalued. You, you know at who his he is? Current price. He's Gronk. He's out of your league, right? Yeah, he he's puts Gronk. you so far ahead of the competition. Yeah. that he is the one guy. I would say. You know, I don't really care about positions this year. I, I'd say he's the one guy that is worth drafting solely because of the position he plays. Would you take Anthony Rizzo or Gary Sanchez? The answer tough. probably depends on who I took with my first pick. Because right. there's a chance that I took a first baseman with my first pick. But I, I think Gary Sanchez is absolutely in the discussion at the end of the second round in a 12-team league. Okay, cool. I agree. Last one here is, for me, my player I love... It's Greg Bird. So uh, I struggled with this. I did. I Last year it was uh, Gregory Polanco. That was bad. Um, this year it's another Greg. Greg Bird. I just think he's good. Uh, what's his name? Brian Cashman said that Bird was at one point their top prospect, better than Gary Sanchez. Uh, he was the spring training superstar last year, as we recall, and he was rocketing up draft boards, and then he got hurt at the very, very end of spring training. He hurt his ankle. He was terrible in April. He missed went on the DL, missed most of the season. Uh, and then after he returned from injury, he hit 253, but he had a 575 slugging percentage, eight home runs, nine walks, 20 strikeouts, win 29 games after returning from injury. And then in the postseason, he only batted 244, but he walked 12 times with 17 strikeouts, three home runs, uh, and he was good in 2015. So I think Greg Bird will be better in OBP. I think he's got an opportunity to walk, and I think I think he's got a chance to hit cleanup in that lineup. And I think – because I think they'll split up the righties. I think they go Gardner, Judge, Stanton, Bird, Sanchez, Gregorius. I think he's got a real chance to back clean up. The Yankees seem to like Greg Bird more than any fantasy analyst does. So, um, you know, I just think being in the line – like originally, you know, months ago, I liked Justin Bohr better than Greg Bird. Once they got Stanton and all the other stuff happened with the, with the Marlins, I said, no, Bird – Ahead of him, but I think Bird's got breakout potential. Doesn't it make and it much easier to not use him against lefties with all these guys they have? I don't think he'll sit against lefties. He didn't last year, so because that is, that is a bit of a concern. But he has to struggle against lefties, which he didn't last year. So, I mean, he struggled against everyone last year. He had and the power, not, and he has a twenty. He has about a twenty-eight percent strikeout rate in his major league career. 
So there might be a ceiling of like 260 on his batting average. That uh, does concern me, but where, where you get Greg Bird? 260 see, doesn't I, matter I don't if, you, think if you hit the home runs. I don't think you get him as that, at that much of a discount. Well, what do you think, ADP boy? You tell He's me where you get him. He's going 152nd right now. That's high. I think that's higher because that's what the 13th round in a 12 team league. That's a little bit early. That's a little early. Like I think I'd rather in like the 14th or 15th love Greg round. Bird. I going, love Greg Bird. The problem I have with Greg Bird is I love a lot of guys that go around when Greg Bird is being you know, drafted. You know, but I'm going to go with Bird over Justin Smoke. You know who's done it already? Who is Matt Olson? He's I'd take him over Olson. That seems ridiculous. I think I, Olson seems to me like like Matt Olson has already done it in the majors. And so he's going so around Greg Bird. the same rate. Greg Bird in 2015 hit 261 with 11 home runs in 46 games. Yeah, Matt Olson hit like 24 I home know, runs in 50 it, something. I know, but it just it just depends where you can get Bird because while the data shows one thing, my experience has shown that people aren't that jazzed about drafting Greg Bird. Just that's how I yesterday's feel. Yeah. draft, we did a 10 team roto draft. I took Matt Olson in round 13. I also took Greg Bird in round 20. Yeah. So, like, and he went round 13 in another 12-team roto that we did. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it just depends. Like, I could get excited about Greg Bird if people aren't already yes. assuming he's going to be this monster power hitter that in bet- um, you know behind Judge and Stanton. But based on current ADP, I'd rather have Kyle Schwarber at 179. I'd probably rather have Eric Thames at 184. No way. No way. I'd rather have Chris Davis, the no Orioles way. version, who's and, gone, who's gone undrafted in leagues that we've done. And you're hoping Greg Bird is Chris Davis. No, I'm not hoping that Greg Bird is Chris Davis. Sure Chris you Davis are. hits 225. I, I think, I think Greg Bird could be better than Chris Davis. It will I, be better Greg than Bird, Chris Greg Davis. Bird is on my bus list because of what the ADP shows and because I don't think he's worth paying that much for. But I mean, if we're, the the idea that Greg Bird is certain things that are bad, like we don't know what he is because he's hardly played in the yeah, majors. Exactly. When he returned from the ankle injury, that like he, he was clearly messed up last April and was striking out every other bat and couldn't maintain the power surge he showed in spring training. When he returned August twenty sixth into the year, he had an eight ninety one OPS during mm-hmm. that time, struck out twenty times in ninety eight plate appearances, like only like a twenty percent strikeout rate. Yeah, like I, I think I, he's a good player. And, and they like his on-base skills. Just you don't see it because his batting average is kind of low. But I, I like Bird and Kyle Schwarber did the same thing. I forget. I like Schwarber up. too, and that's the problem. Like there are so many hitters but that, late that but I he's want going, a piece of. He's going thirty to forty picks late. Well, that's, that's fine. I mean, that, that doesn't that doesn't mean Greg Bird is bad. It just means that Kyle Schwarber could also be on this list of players that we love late in drafts. I do want to take Kyle Schwarber for sure. Um, all right, so news and notes for you. Chase Field will install a humidor. Also, we want you to email us at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Luckily, we don't have a lot of notes today, but we should spend a lot of time on this. So, all right, what do you think? Oh, ugh, crap. That, uh, yeah, that was my reaction. Why? Like, I had, be, why? Because a bunch of players who we thought were good are be, about to not be good. That's and it's not going to catch a lot of completely people off guard. False. Yes, completely false. What do you false. mean it's completely who, false? Who did you think was going to be good that is now not going to be good? Nobody. Uh, AJ Pollock. Nope. Jake Lamb. I, th- I think Paul I Goldschmidt's think not going to be didn't, as good. We didn't, you didn't think Jake Lamb was going to be good. I well, think, a lot of people did, Heath. Okay, but you didn't. Yeah. Well, I don't, it's not all about me, Heath. Jake, it is. Jake Lamb could. It should be, Scott. Jake Lamb could go from. I, Jake Lamb could be unownable after this. Totally agree. All right, let's talk about why instead of. Well, right. I don't know the why. I don't know why it's like Paul Goldschmidt drops a little bit. AJ Pollock drops a little bit. Okay, so so an article that was published last summer that I read a few weeks ago. One guy, the guy they asked for his expertise. I don't really remember who he was, but he said it could reduce home runs by twenty five to fifty percent. He was like a scientist. He, right. he was not yes. just a guy. He was. He was. He was, somebody, he was a, he was a was, fan. He was, was uh, one of the Sean... season ticket holders. Uh, <laughs> his name. Works I'm, at I'm pulling up the article. His name name is Alan Nathan. Yes. And he two um, first names very trustworthy. Fifty percent seems ludicrous. Like I can't imagine it's going to reduce home runs by fifty percent. What twenty five would be a lot. He what? Ha- what are your qualifications? That just seems crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't that seem crazy? Like would they so really do it if it were going to if it were going to reduce home runs fifty percent? No to, way. To keep in mind about Chase Field, it has the seventh largest outfield in terms of area. So what could happen is we could see a drop in home runs. That seems. Very likely, but we could also see kind of a B minus version of course field where it starts inflating Babbitt because outfielders have to start 
covering so much ground, it could lead to an increase in doubles and triples to somewhat make up for the loss of the home run. All right, let's go around the room and give me your summary, and we'll come, we'll expand on it. Give me your summary of how you feel. We're also only talking about hitters. Like, this could be great news for the pitchers. It's it, awesome it news for be, the pitchers. It could be great news for the pitchers. The way I see it is bad news. The reason I see it as bad news overall is because we already regarded the Diamondbacks as having a very good pitching staff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it. some of the hard contact tendencies for Robbie Ray, um, you know, they may end up being not the concern that we thought they were going to be because of this, and he just ends up being this – masterful strikeout pitcher but i thought that was already a reasonable scenario the guy the guy doing this research is somebody who had been studying the effects of the humidor on Coors field for close to uh, back since 2011 like guy really knows this stuff more than any of us do about how the humidor affects balls and the, and the reason it's so scary is first of all there was about a 25% decrease in home runs at Coors Field when they installed the humidor. They were already so high that it didn't have a huge impact on how those players, uh, their relative fantasy value, but definitely had an impact. The issue is the humidity in Arizona, that desert environment, the surrounding humidity is much lower. And the contrast of the humidity in the baseball versus the humidity in the air is going to amplify the effect to the point that I'm not so sure Chase Field isn't going to be the worst hitter's park in baseball. I mean, we won't exactly know how it's going to play out until it plays out, but I, the guy makes a convincing case. I trust his research. He says a 25 to 50% decrease, and that's just in home runs. That's not including the decrease that's going to happen in terms of exit velocity, which is, is you know, you're hitting a wet baseball. What's that, what's that going to do? So, like, I don't want any Diamondbacks hitters. I think it's too When are you going to take Goldschmidt? Goldschmidt's going to still be a first-rounder. He might be the one I make an exception for as everybody else is letting him drop to the back half of the first round. Uh, and because his road numbers are so good, I mean, even if he's half of what he used to be at home, I still think he'll be a high-end fantasy player. But no other Diamondbacks hitters. I, I don't want them at all. Even A.J. Pollock. Maybe if, if I'm desperate for steals and he falls far enough, I could take Pollock for steals, but I, I don't trust the hitting for him or any of the others. So my my initial reaction to this is, this news might make Robbie Ray worth his current draft price. Which, which is? is the number 12 starting pitcher. ADP boy, thank you. Which is crazy. Um, he has a lot of upside, but there is a lot of downside in Robbie Ray's profile as well. Um, and I don't think anybody's really factoring that in to his price at that point. I would hope this drops AJ Pollock's ADP because he was not worth where he was being taken before, which is 57th overall. That is crazy. Um, if he drops... 50 more spots, maybe he's worth taking. 50, the one wow. thing I will say about Dr. Alan Nathan, Nathan Allen. Uh, uh, Alan his, Nathan, yes. It is built on certain assumptions about what the settings of the humidor will be and what impacts will be derived as a result of that. I, I believe it's like 50% humidity is the, the assumption that he bakes into it. Well, that's what that's the MLB requirements, yeah. Okay, so maybe they'll maybe 70, they'll just seventy degrees, fifty percent humidity. But the, the that was in the article yesterday, saying it would be fifty degree humidity, okay. seventy degrees. Those okay. assumptions are correct. All right, then yeah, that might be the impact it has. I just it's weird that they were allowed to not store them in that in those. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it will have that impact. Then. It where are you taking Goldschmidt? I think he's still a first rounder. I think I think he after Harper. I mean, me, yeah. you're worried about Paul Goldschmidt. This makes him riskier. You said Bryce off Harper's, the air. Bryce you Harper's said off the air. Risky. You sp- well, forget. I don't want to get just to one to one comparisons. You said off the air. You think that stolen bases will go up? Because yes, power I think. Will go down. I think the model is 2016 Paul Goldschmidt, where he didn't hit for as much power, but he stole 34 bases to make up for it. I would expect he will run more if he doesn't hit for power, just because he'll have more stolen base opportunities. This is a 300 hitter. Since no one's actually answered your question, I will take Paul Goldschmidt eighth in the first round. You'll be okay. my eighth pick, the last hitter before I would take Clayton Kershaw. Okay. My my overall question though is what what are your thoughts on the humidor? My oh um I'm more excited about it, I guess. I think part of the problem for Scott and part of the reason I'm excited and Scott's not, he already had the entire Diamondbacks starting rotation in his top twenty five pitchers. 
I, so, I, did, I did seem to be an outlier in the industry on Granky, Godly, Ray, and Corbin, all four of them. Not Taiwan Walker. I'm actually lower than on the – So I, him, but. I was excited for the possibilities, especially like Grinky. I think is somebody that you could view as like a top six starting pitcher now because the, really the one concern I had about him was the park. Mm-hmm. And I, you don't have that concern as much. I mean, he could still have a terribly unlucky year like he did in 2016, but he could also have a terribly lucky year like he did in 2015. So Grinky is a top six pitcher for me. Robbie Ray is now number 12. I moved Taiwan Walker and Patrick Corbin up more than I moved those guys up, but it was because I had them so low. And I do think they could, like, they might go from fringy on your roster pitchers to just number four or number three starters. We I'll, just, I'll just yeah. point, I, I don't think Taiwan Walker's any good. I still don't. I know he had a nice ERA last season, but the peripherals were mediocre. He still doesn't have a breaking ball that is any good, so I... I don't think the humidor is going to change that. If you want uh, just some numbers on Paul Goldschmidt, he has a career 959 OPS at home, a career 904 OPS on the road. There have been two seasons where, at least two, where he hit more home runs at home or on the road than at home. 2015, 13 homers at home, 20 on the road. 2013, 17 home runs on the road, 13 at home. But usually Goldschmidt's been great on the road, but but much but not but amazing at home, I guess. Uh, so yeah, he could still have a 900 OPS, but it's also like, it's not just home road. It's does home become, as Scott said, maybe the worst hitters park in baseball. It could, and that could have a huge effect and there's, on everyone. And there's another effect. And this is something I talk about all the time with Rockies pitchers. Um, it's something that happened to Mike Hampton the first year he was in Colorado, where if you look at his game log, he started out pretty well as a Rockies pitcher, but you get used to performing up to a certain standard and, you know, Paul Goldschmidt's not going to be able to do things at home that he used to do, and that's going to frustrate him. And what kind of changes is he going to make to compensate for that? And how is that going to impact his road production? Like, it it could mess him up. Mm. Like, it could mess up any of the Diamondbacks. I wonder hitters. why they're doing this. Well, the reason they're doing it is because exit interviews with past pitchers have shown them that they don't like the grip of the dry baseball. And so they're doing it to help pitcher grip, not necessarily what happens to the ball on impact. Wouldn't it be cheaper to just like invest in a bunch of moisturizer? <laughs> you know, just like, but just the, a big tub of like Jergens. Get Michael Pineda on the case; he can help with this. And I'm sure they have like they they seem to be a data you know driven organ front office now. Like I'm I'm sure they've done their own research. I. I can't help but wonder if there's because it it took a long time to implement this from when it was first announced that it they were building a humidor. I wonder if there was some kind of disagreement between ownership. They and had the a really office, hard time um, calibrating it, calibrating it, yeah, like keeping it at the right humidity and the right temperature. And but still, even once they, they even once. That that was seemingly behind it. It took a long time to announce they were actually going to implement it this year. So. I, I don't know that everybody on the organization is on board with this, but it's it's something that uh, um, I think ownership was set on. Should make what, for, it'll make for better baseball. What what this tells me yeah. is they need to get off their butts and sign JD Martinez. This team has a two year contention window. Go get him. Your offense is going to stink now. Go get JD Martinez. No part can contain him. Diamondback CEO Derek Hall. That's the guy who was quoted. So the the CEO Zach Greinke or Justin Verlander. Granky. 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 But I always had Granky. Granky or Cindergard. Granky. Granky. Cindergard. Granky or Severino. Granky. Severino. All right. Uh, that's your humidor update. There you go. Shohei Otani will primarily work as a starting pitcher. Will be in a six-man rotation. Nothing we didn't know, but they talked about it yesterday, and it made headlines. And, uh, yeah, keep in mind, six-man rotation – not a ton of innings. This guy, Otani, definitely looks like someone who will be better in a season-long roto type of format. Uh, you know, you're just not going to get that many two-start weeks out of him. And that's – Garrett Richards is a pitcher I've been taking late a lot too. Got to keep in mind, six-man rotation, unless somebody gets hurt maybe. Yeah. I think, Ideally, it's a six-man rotation. I think rotation. even when somebody gets hurt, they're just going to have to find a six-starter. Yeah, their entire rotation are pitching through torn – Ligaments in their elbows, <laughs> yeah, right. so they, they could probably all benefit from it. It may not actually be the worst thing for, for Garrett Richards because there's a chance it keeps him healthier. 
Matt All Shoemaker year. had a forearm injury last year. Andrew Haney's coming back from yeah. Tommy John surgery. This is like... From a baseball perspective, it, 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 it could might be allow, good. It yeah. might allow them it's to go deeper into their fantasy. starts, too. It, it might allow them to go deeper into their starts, too. But I, I, I think they're all fine, like, late-round flyers. But that's where they've mostly been going, except for Otani. Well, I have a question for you guys. Where do you play your fantasy baseball? What website do you use? My little Valentines. Oh, this is not a rhetorical question. You're actually CBS Sports. Yeah, you can, I mean, I know the answer. CBS yeah, Sports. CBS. And when you sign up, what URL do you go to? You go to cbssports.com slash FBT. I'll answer that one for you. Uh, yeah, we love CBS Sports. Um, they employ us. But also, they have great fantasy tools for you. You can customize your leagues so well on CBS Sports. And I, you know, I've played on the three major websites and I, I'm, I'm biased, but I think you all would agree. Uh, it's just better on, uh, with the CBS Sports Commissioner. So, look, you can create your own stat categories, adjust scoring by position. We've got a very deep player pool. It's great for Dynasty Leagues with that deep player pool. You can add your own player. Uh, you can trade draft picks up to three years in advance. So if you want to make your playoff push now or you want to play for the future, you know, play on CBS Sports. When you do sign up, please go to cbssports.com slash FBT. cbssports.com slash FBT. That will show everybody just how great this podcast is. So thank you, everybody, and let's move on. Since we're going to do position previews tomorrow, start with catcher, let's get some important questions out of the way. We did a 10-team roto draft yesterday, and steals make me lose sleep at night. So first question, (laughs) in any type of categories format, how do you prioritize steals? I do. You sure do. I do. (laughs) I like steals. You want all of them. I think steals are good. I like to get steals early so I can have good players that get steals. Right. Instead of just the guys who are only steal. There aren't even that many just steals specialists, yeah. are there, that you're taking uh, later? They're all yeah. speculative. Well, they're, they're Bradley Zimmer's the main one. Right. But and, and, he might, and he might do more than steal. Billy Hamilton, Jose Peraza. Uh, Hamilton's in a different class, though. Like in a, in a yeah, row, but he's, he's, like but a he's a steal specialist. Pick. Yeah. Um, Who's a guy that I, right? I have, Hamilton's a steal specialist, but D. Gordon, Trey Turner, Starling Marte—they're much more than just steals. Hamilton is right. the first true specialist that comes yes. off the board. Yes, and it's very early because he's such an extreme. Well, there's D. Gordon also. D. Gordon probably goes, but he's early. a he's a three category. Yeah, guy. I didn't consider him. Yeah. I mean, he goes a lot higher. Because He'll of hit the around three hundred. Right. He'll score around a hundred runs. You're, Hamilton's a liability. Yeah, in almost every I mean, other you're drafting. Category. It's interesting. I had I had this revelation uh, yesterday, looking back at the way my draft went, and I didn't love. My I hated team, the my way draft. it turned out. It was <laughs> I made the heftiest investment in steals that I have in one of our roto drafts so far. I drafted D Gordon in round four. Ten team um, league. Yeah, it was a ten team league. So you know, it, it was especially early for D Gordon. It was, um, but or I was it wasn't. T- it was, but I, I was, don't think so. I was. Oh, I thought it was him. late. But I, was, I almost took him the round. I, I was considering him. <laughs> he, I, I was going to say, I was tired of Heath always taking the steel guys and wanted to try, it. see what it was like to have one of my own. Um, you know, Steve, Heath is so invested in steals, he ranks Trey Turner ahead of Mike Trout in that format. So just you know, he's really all about the stolen bases. Good players. Um, steals. What I noticed mm-hmm. by doing that is it kind of. I lost my sense of direction in the middle to late rounds. Like I was kind of like there were a lot like every pick I got, there were four or five different hitters that I generally liked the same. And I didn't have a clear idea who to take. And it, I found that frustrating. Normally with previous ones where I didn't make a heavy investment in steals, the guy who's going to give me 15 to 20 steals would take priority over those others. But it just wasn't necessary after taking D Gordon. And I, I I don't I I don't know that it made for the most efficient draft I could have possibly had because but I, isn't, like isn't if I had taken that you if I taken to... another ace instead of D Gordon I would have got I would have had a clearer advantage at the position where I feel like um, the advantage is clearest where there's the biggest gap between the good and the bad at starting pitcher who else do you have in your team that gives you steals. Like you didn't um, just stop at D Gordon, right? No, I didn't just stop at D Gordon. I have Will Myers. Uh, I have. Um, uh, did I get Kevin Kiermeyer's? I, I have a couple okay. other guys okay. like that. Um, all right, so so sum it up. If somebody says to you, "Hey Scott, in twenty, I only have twenty seconds before my bus leaves." Yeah. How do what do I do about? <laughs> <laughs> He's standing at a Steel, bus stop. What, what do I do about steals? Steals are scarce, 
but they're scarce for everybody. You don't need a lot of them to compete in the category. I would rather have a bunch of 15 to 20 steel guys than invest an early pick in a 50 steel guy. Can I – I do – I had somebody tweet something really interesting at me last week, and I wanted to point it out. Uh, Chris Stanch, I've had, I had Hamilton on four different teams last year that finished top three in stolen bases but six through nine in home runs and RBI. If I subbed out Hamilton for a 280 hitter who had 25 homers – 90 RBI, and 90 runs. That's a really good hitter. He would have lost, on average, 2.3 hitting points in the standings overall. That is how valuable Billy Hamilton's stolen bases are. That's amazing. That's a really interesting... And that is that's, and this is based on this guy's real-world results in his leagues. I have the, the hitting category targets piece that's based on all CBS Sports leagues last season. And Billy Hamilton steals on their own in 140 games were worth like seven points in the hitting standings. So that's, when, that's hugely valuable. In a 12-team league, or give me like a number overall pick in a Roto league when you take Billy Hamilton. I think he's worth looking at in the 40 to 50 range. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get into head-to-head categories and how that changes, uh, you know, as opposed to season-long Roto, because I, I think it's a little bit different. And roster size is different as well. Um, okay, Heath, you like steals the most, and you have no problem going early on the steals, guys. Steal them. Steals. Steal them. There it is. Uh, okay, so different formats then. How, how does your strategy change in different formats? You know, points leagues are, points leagues, you don't have to look at categories. You just look at different things like doubles, triples, plate discipline, um, games played, that kind of stuff. Uh, but, I guess it's a season-long roto versus head-to-head categories and versus points leagues. One thing I'd say is that in a head-to-head categories league with daily transactions, daily lineup changes, which is very common, I love having at least four closers. Uh, I think I can win the saves categories. And you don't have to say, well, who do I start every week? You know, Because if you had four – if it were a weekly league, you, you wouldn't start, start all four yeah, you guys. Just start your pitchers, right? Whenever in they a start. daily league, you start you start the closers every day, and the pitchers who are the starting probably, pitchers that are pitching that day, you makes, put in your lineup. Probably makes the Angels pitchers more valuable in that format too. Yes, but still, if it's weekly, you don't get the two starts, but you right. don't need them because you can substitute right. with another. Right. I, I like pitchers in head-to-head categories leagues with daily transactions, daily lineup changes. I like pitchers. I will have one, maybe two hitters on my bench. The rest will be pitchers. In head-to-head categories leagues, I am very, very likely to go with the relief pitcher strategy. Unless there are the, – the problem which, – Which is what? Which is mostly relief pitchers. Like occasionally if a guy, an ace falls or a really good starting pitcher falls, I might take him. I might take one or two really high upside starting pitchers, especially later in the draft. And then if they hit, then I'll start them on a semi-regular basis. But for the most part, I I really like the idea of just having four or five – maybe even more relievers, and winning three out of five pitching categories pretty much every week. The only problem with that, and I've the few drafts that I've done so far this year, it seems like people are even more interested in paying for saves. And saves are getting more expensive. And I just think people should remember that the original idea of the relief pitcher Strategy wasn't to win three out of five pitching categories. It was you don't have to spend as much on pitching. Your hitting is going to be awesome, and then you win three out of five pitching categories, and you're dominating. Do you think that will change as we move closer to the start of the season and more closer situations are clear? People will pay less for saves? Yeah. I I hope so, but I don't – like yesterday in our 10-team roto draft, I think Kenley Jansen went in the third round. Mm -hmm. I was – yeah. Yeah. I was considering yeah. taking Kenley and Kimbrell, Kimbrell at the four or five turn. Ten team leagues, you know, that's another topic we can get into. In a ten team league, like, I'm more comfortable reaching. Sure. Uh, you know, for Gary Sanchez. The replacement level's higher. Right, exactly. You know, you're going to get great picks even later in the draft, so. But I, like, I talk about this in football a lot, how I don't want to be stuck with a strategy going into a draft. So even though in a head-to-head categories league, I'm probably going to go in, go in with the idea that I'm going to go RP heavy. If you start to see saves go off the board quick, you need to have a second like, plan, and it's pretty much just cheap pitching. Madison Bumgarner went like 38th, I think, yesterday. 
Right. He tumbled oh, down yeah. draft board, I, th- so. I think I may have taken him. No, I took him. Oh, he I was I like the second-to-last pick of the fourth round. Uh, so head-to-head categories, leagues, daily transactions versus weekly li- – daily lineups versus weekly lineups. Does a lot change for you guys? I mean, the composition of my roster will definitely be different. I will have more relief pitchers. I will have more pitchers. My bench is probably going to be a little bit more balanced than a weekly head-to-head categories league. Um, but but I don't know that it changes much else. Not really for me. Yeah. Well, it's going to raise the value of Otani because you can actually use him as a hitter on the days he's in the lineup and not starting at pitcher. Um, I, I'm not even sure I want to. Like, I'm not convinced he's going to be well, a good hitter. Well, that remains to be seen. But I but, want the opportunity to, yeah. He's va- more valuable um, in that format. There, You would want to have versatile players on your bench to plug in on Thursdays and Mondays when certain hitters have days off. So you don't have to carry as many bench hitters. It you makes, don't have to take an empty spot there. Multi-eligible uh, guys are more, more yeah, valuable. Yeah. Great Baez, point. Yep. Guys who can play three or four different positions. That's a great point. Multi-position eligibility is big. In, uh, in those types of leagues. I think it's, I think it's an underrated thing to begin with, and it's huge in NL only and AL only. Yes. Yep. Um, so, you know, keep, just keep an eye on the multi-position eligible guys. And also platoon splits. Like, Lonnie Chisenhall probably has more valuable, value in a daily league. Well, certainly has more value in a daily league than a weekly league. Guys who just crush lefties or righties when they're facing one of those, um, they might be worth starting. Probably. Yeah. Kind of jury thinks still out on him because I don't think he was a lefty masher last year. But maybe I'm not, not sure. last year, but for the his year before career. that, yeah, he was. Um, all right, so moving on, real quick, deepest position in fantasy is what? First base. Yep, no question. Shallowest position in fantasy, other than catcher, shortstop. Shortstop. <laughs> second's not far behind. When do you draft? Ro- third's Whoa, not second's not far behind. Third's not that far behind either. Second is interesting because I think second is incredibly deep. I just think it's lacking high-end options. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, well, like, it's de- it's deep because the bar is low. It's deep because it's deep in the middle. It's not deep at the top. If you're playing in a league where you only need to start one and probably draft one second baseman, you know, you're you might get to the point where it just makes sense to be the last one to take a second yes, baseman. Exactly. Because uh, so and maybe third base too. Based on I'm gonna I'm planning on writing about this, but and I'm gonna look at every projection system, but based on just Pakoda, the number twelve second baseman is ranked eighty third overall among hitters. The number twelve third baseman is ranked sixty sixth. The number twelve shortstop is one oh nine. However, if you take out the third baseman who are likely to be started at other positions who are multi eligible then the number 12 third baseman drops to 102. So What if you take out the second baseman? Then like, yeah, you could do that with okay. other positions as well. But third base is the one position. I think third base is the position where you're more likely to use those guys at their other position. I w- you're more likely to use Jose Ramirez as a second baseman. You're more likely to use uh, Alex Bregman as a shortstop than vice versa. So I think it makes more sense to pull them out of the third base pool. What that exercise wouldn't reveal, though, is that I feel like the 20th best second baseman is basically as good as the 12th best second baseman. So where's the 20th second baseman going? Yeah, and we just had an amazing sentence there where Chris Towers said both P-U-L-L and P-O-O-L, which he pronounces exactly the same. So that was a, a, an amazing Valentine's Day present for all of you listeners. Next question, when do you draft Ronald Acuna? And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and, man, how many players his age are good as rookies? But when do you draft Ronald Acuna? Yeah, I probably that, won't. that's a fair point. I keep wanting to move him up because I feel like among middle round hitters, he has some of the highest, um, you know, explosion explosion potential. If you get what I mean there, um, but like I equate it to Chris Bryant. I think he's going. To, he's the most exciting fantasy prospect who we haven't seen play a game in the majors yet since Chris Bryant. And um, Chris Bryant, after an awesome spring. Started, got pushed up to the four to six round range. That's where he was going, and, and Acuna is nowhere close to that. Maybe if he has a huge spring, he will too. But the the big difference between the two is that Bryant was, I think, twenty two, and Acuna's twenty. And developmentally, that's those are two important years. So, I part of me is like, yeah, I I don't know how realistic to think. It is to think he's going to make the rookie splash Bryant did just because he's so young. ADP boy. 
It's a different question. There, there are two questions being asked. When will you have to draft Ronald Acuna if you want him on your team? Uh-huh. Probably the ninth or tenth round at this point, point. and okay. that'll only go up. I think it'll probably get to the sixth round eventually well, if we if it looks like he's going to be in the majors by the end of April. He is the most important. Like his performances this spring is what matters to me the most. But, because if he hits eight home runs this spring, then I'm not concerned about him being 20 anymore. You know, I will. Oh, I would. I wouldn't just. I wouldn't just give in and say, oh, he's, he's, that's, I will find that's a big spring. Ronald Acuna is probably the best power speed prospect we've seen come out of the minors in, Mm -hmm. since Mike Trout. And the speed is really, I think, what changes it. Because you are desperate for steals, and then Acuna's on the board, uh, you know. Are the Braves, might be your last chance having a great steals game. Are the Braves going to let him run around the base paths with like a chicken with his head cut off like they did in the minors? Because he was caught. 20 times on 64 steal attempts last season. That's no, not great. a disaster. Not great. All right, who's your favorite sleeper? Uh, just overall? Yeah. The this whole is world. different from the player we love? Could be the same guy. Oh. So uh, is that godly for you? But is, or is he your breakout? He's not a sleeper. He's on, he's your breakout. He's on my sleeper list. He you, should be you on your You told break. me he couldn't be on my breakout list because he already broke out. He yeah, and he's be gonna be drafted too list. high to be on your sleeper list. What? Sorry, he doesn't you qualify keep for anything. The rules he on can me. only be a player you love. Whatever. That's <laughs> He's a player who's being <laughs> underdrafted. Who's your favorite sleeper? Who's your favorite breakout? Uh, who's your favorite bust? I'm gonna go Austin Hayes just to have somebody different. Okay. Uh, and because you can get him really late and look at his minor league production. Between two stops last year, it was virtually identical. He's gonna be the Orioles starting right fielder. Favorite sleeper, guy I want to draft in the last round. Every time I get the chance, Randall Grichik. That just Ooh. feels like a Blue Jays special. He pulls the ball a lot. <laughs> he hits the crap out of the ball. He strikes out a lot. He's uh, He's got bad plate discipline, but I think he can be a top 100 player. Austin Hayes and for Scott, Randall Grichik for Chris. Heath, favorite sleeper? Um, hmm. I will go with... Uh, I'll just stick with Cesar Hernandez. Okay, Cesar Hernandez. Favorite breakout. Let's go counterclockwise. Heath, favorite oh, breakout. Now, um, I'll go with Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios. Okay, Chris. Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins. Scott. Suck it, Scott. <laughs> um, Somebody's got to take Gray. Alex Bregman. Sonny Gray breakout. Interesting. All right. What? Um, Sonny Gray going to break out in a different that's a, way. That's a weird way to spell Tommy Pham, Scott. <laughs> well, Tommy well, Pham's on my sleepers list. He already broke out. Is Alex Bregman like the consent, the, the industry favorite breakout? Not for me. Uh, yeah, he, uh, Chris is, uh, he plays shortstop, so Chris hates him. Uh, Alex Bregman would have been days. on my breakouts <laughs> list if Heath hadn't included him on it first. So yes, I see Bregman as a breakout candidate. It wouldn't surprise me if he performs like a second. It wouldn't surprise me if he outperforms Carlos Correa. He's just honestly. being, he's being drafted as if he already broke out. And that's, mm-hmm. that's my only Maybe issue he did. I, I mean, you look at July 4th on. Yeah, he may, he may I have. really like him. Uh, he's a patriot. I just, <laughs> like the, the idea that he might be better than Carlos Correa, I think is ridiculous. Uh, Scott, biggest bust. Biggest bust, um, man. I had I had such a great answer for this. And so I mean, it's got Jake Lamb. That's yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say Robbie Ray. Can't, no. Jake Lamb can't be a bust. No, he is. If, if, he, if he sits against lefties, then he's probably he, not worth drafting. Yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's probably going runs. to be drafted in the fifteenth round. Or I took him like the eighteenth round yesterday. His ADP, his uh, well, his consensus ADP ranking is higher than that. ADP boy, Jake Lamb? I don't have third base open. Uh, and I oh, just okay. get the, uh, I, I reject the idea that a 15th players. rounder can't be a bust. Agreed. There are great players going there. You don't want to take a bad one. You get Greg Bird there. And, you know, you, you look at it in an NL only he's context. Being drafted as, than he's being drafted player. as a top 100 player right now. Oh, Jake Lamb, bust, bust, bust. Yeah, All right. He's, Chris, favorite biggest bust? I'll just make the entire state of Minnesota mad at me. Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton at their current price. Whew. Which Whew. is? Uh, 89th overall for Miguel Sano and 56th for Byron Buxton. Yeah, now that is drafting somebody as if he broke out. That and on the surface, he hit 300 after the All Star break with like nine home runs and 11 stolen bases. If he does that next season, he will absolutely be worth that draft price, maybe more. He had a 380 BABIP. He still struck out 27 percent of the time. I Eighth? think Byron Buxton is being overrated. He might have a 360 career BABIP, but I will say uh, Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer. All right. The free agent, Eric Hosmer. Okay, let's finish with some stuff from the listeners. Start with buy or sell. 
from Ryan. Buy or sell. Jacob Faria will be the best pitcher not named Chris Archer this season. In Florida. In Florida. In fl- <laughs> like, not in all of baseball. Florida. In uh, Florida. Chris, Chris yeah. Archer will be pitching in Milwaukee soon. So, uh, you know. He could still be the best pitcher not named Chris Archer cool. pitching in Florida. Yeah. Ma- Max Scherzer will probably make two or three starts in Florida. Uh, no. Brent <laughs> Honeywell will be my choice for this. So, sell. I will say bye. He will – I don't know that he'll be the best – all season, but he will have the best end of season stats because well, Honeywell will get held back. About Snell, well, yeah, kind of like Snell, like yeah. I mean, if Snell doesn't break out, then I buy it. I have Faria ranked ahead, so I'm going to buy it. But they're they're very close in my rankings. All right, this is from Aiden. Reese Hoskins is a top ten hitter this year. Buy or sell? Sell, sell. But yeah, if you gave sell. me a good price on it, I might buy it. He's uh, super talented. Yeah, I'll sell. All his batted ball data is elite. Here's one with a, an autocorrect from Caleb. Garrett Cole will be the best pitcher on the Astros on a per-game basis, but or sell? Eh, I sell it. Um, I'm a big Justin Verlander guy, and, you know, Dallas Keuchel's pretty good, too. It wouldn't surprise me if this actually did happen. I do have Cole on my breakouts list, and... Uh, you know, it's just it's just assuming a lot to predict it's going to happen. Sell Lance McCullers will be the best pitcher on the Astros on a per game basis. Wasn't uh, that good. Dallas Keuchel will be. Yeah, it's sell. So. Okay, sell. So. I'd like to buy it. Uh, from J.K. Camp, Luis Castillo finishes as a top twenty starting pitcher by sell. Well, I don't rank him that way, but it's the most feasible of these. I think it's it's if. If he gets more than 180 innings, I could absolutely see that. I'll, I'll say buy just because I want to buy. Anyway. I'm going to sell it, but I wish you wouldn't have skipped the one that I could have bought. Okay, well, uh, you'll let you do that one last. Thanks. Uh, I, this is something I had forgotten about Castillo. We talked about it a lot while it was happening. His first seven starts, he faced Washington mm-hmm. twice, Arizona twice, the Yankees, Milwaukee, and at Colorado. Milwaukee was the only team that was outside the top eight and run scored. I think the Marlins were in there, too. In that first like stretch, not not in the first seven starts, and then he had a he did okay. He had a four oh five ERA, mm-hmm. and he was really I, maybe jittery at the beginning. He was walking a lot of guys, yep. but last eight starts, Castillo had a two thirty seven ERA, fifteen walks, fifty three strikeouts in forty nine and a third. Like I was, I'm very excited about Castillo. I got to get some Luis Castillo. His best skill in the minors, certainly, you know, the last stretch before he got called up was not walking hitters. So. Yeah, I, I think there was some nerves at play there, and even though he wasn't doing the thing he does best as well as he does it, he was still pitching well against very good lineups. Well, he, he might have the best changeup in the majors. That's already. the thing that's really interesting about him is coming up, the scanning reports were always that the changeup was still developing and that the fastball and slider were the better pitches. Last year, his changeup was unhittable. Yeah, Luis if Castillo. If the slider catches up a little bit. Are we, we're taking Castillo ahead of, like, Snell and Faria? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, what was it, Heath? Wilson Ramos finishes the year as a top five catcher in points. I'll buy it. And I will also say that the uh, Evan Gaddis bandwagon, one of the um, bolts popped out from underneath the Why? axle. It's starting to creak oh, a little yeah. bit. Why would uh, happen? I'm the... not jumping off. I'm still trying to repair it, but the I Astros could be... are going to give uh, Kyle Tucker, no, Derek, Derek Fisher, Fisher, a chance to win the left field job, and it sounds like they want him to win it. Mm. So that would that would uh, that would hurt hurt his Marwin DH. and Evan Gaddis, and maybe Yuli. Okay, all right. Well, uh, let's finish the show with some emails at fantasybaseballcbsi.com. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of guys that could they, have. They have, they have a lot of guys. We have to have a discussion fairly soon about the teams that have too many guys. Colorado, Milwaukee, and Houston at the top of that list just have too many guys. All right, we'll get to it in about three weeks because we have position <laughs> previews. <laughs> uh, Reggie from Charlotte, one of our, one of our most dedicated listeners. We have six new managers, and my question is about their impact on their team's speed game or lack thereof. So basically, like, do we know if any of these managers are going to be run, 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 or Stop, stop, I stop. I don't think we have any idea. Yeah. It's, a, it's an it's interesting thought. Great question. It I, and I would like to find out. And somebody should ask them. <laughs> yeah. I, I would not but be this... surprised if you could do some Googling. I will try to do that. Um, through the spring, there will be reporters that will ask them questions 
about these types of things, and maybe we can get some indication. It's just it's a hard question because even like the Diamondbacks last season in the first half, I think they stole like twice as many bases almost as they stole in the second half. So it's just sometimes that stuff just changes on a whim. If Google were broken, what search engine would you use? Ask Jeeves. I'd probably just oh, use I'd use Bing, I guess. Alta Vista. Alta Vista. But I don't know. Excite. I don't know. Maybe I just asked Siri. I would probably just use the search bar at the top of CBS Sports. Just hope that got me in the right place. Uh, it won't. Not if you're asking, like, you know, anything <laughs> other than about athletes. Ian from New Hampshire. <laughs> Dear Homer, Ozzy, and the Straw. Oh, that's got to yeah. be uh, from Simpsons, right? Yeah, Talking Softball. They're, they are real players, but that's what they're referred to in the song, Talking Softball, that plays at the end of the ep- episode. Oh, is that what they say? Homer, Homer Ozzy, the the, and the Straw. Yeah. Where is the Yoan Moncada chatter? I have him in a keeper league, and I'm excited for him this season, yet I do not hear much buzz about him around the industry. Should I be worried about Yoan Moncada? The Moncada chatter is in my breakouts column, where he resides. (laughs) Is it crazy to think he'll be better? No, it's not crazy. Do you think he'll be better than Acuna this year, Moncada? I think there's a a 40% chance. There's definitely a chance. I it's might even say 55% chance. Did we, we I'm talk, giving Acuna the better We talked chance. about Moncada on the most recent podcast, right? We talked a lot. I think it was two days ago. I feel yeah, like he, we've talked a lot about Moncada, so thing, maybe. He's struck out a lot since getting to double A, and that's the big concern for me is he's become like a 28% strikeout rate guy in double A, triple A, and then the minor, and majors. We can so. live with 27 to 28% in today's offensive environment. Yeah, but it puts a, it still puts a ceiling on your batting average. Like he he may never hit better than two fifty with and, that. And Scott's like, where where them steals at? You're really big on these ceilings yeah. with twenty two and twenty three well, year old guys. I, no, it's if he strikes out at twenty eight percent of the time. I understand if you he does not just, improve in his career, his ceiling you can't just has been established. That what was Aaron Judge's strikeout rate last year? Uh, like twenty nine percent. So if if Moncada hits fifty two home runs and has a three sixty BABIP, he could Aaron, hit two. His ceiling would be higher. And Judge is also 20. Or if he improves his strikeout rate as right, he develops yes, as a baseball player. If he improves. But right. I said if he strikes out at 28%, I, I don't really know why expect. you're back. Okay, thank you. Judge is 31%. It wasn't 29. Just, well, so it was, he's ADP yeah. boy. He's not strikeout rate boy. <laughs> so I couldn't expect him to know that. All right. Andrew from North Carolina. I can keep one of the following three players in a head-to-head categories league. Uh, OPS and losses are extra categories. Keep one. Abreu, Hoskins, or Darvish? Uh, no penalty? Nope. I think it's gotta be a Brave. Yeah. I agree. Okay. It's, yeah. Unless it's like for the next three years, then I'd go Hoskins. So Brave is like 31. Alright. I agree with that also. It's weird. Kind of feeling dark. It's a really hard thing. <laughs> I'm kind of, yeah. You're kind of feeling Darvish? No, well I'm, like, I'm just thinking if you're going to keep one player, like, you don't know the answer, so. Yeah, I guess I'd just say Abreu, but everybody I says Abreu. Think it's Reese. Oh, and okay. Well, Abreu is the answer, I think. Probably. Because uh, nobody would have a problem with Abreu. Chris says, not Chris Towers, Chris says, I believe my auction league settings, 7x7 seven seven head-to-head categories, favor power over speed. I'm looking to put together a max power lineup and completely punt steals and average. <laughs> Who would you target in that scenario? Uh, Matt well, Olson, Matt Chapman, sure. Reese Hoskins. Uh, Joey Gallo, yeah, Aaron Judge, Chris Aaron Davis, Judge, both for the Chris pick. Davises, both Chris Davises, yeah, Karis uh, Davis Stanton. is a great pick there. Gaddis, yeah. sure. Even McCann G- would Jerry, be a bad Gary Sanchez, yeah. But McCann would be a good uh, second catcher. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you I wait on you catcher, you take him like tenth or twelfth at the position. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like Zunino. I think it's uh, Kyle Schwarber with a late pick. I think it's a risky strategy. Yeah. I like, don't know. I don't know what the two is one thing, pun, well, average. If you draft all the guys we just told you to draft, you're going to hit 240 as a team. Yeah. Um, all right. And finally, from Baker in Sycamore, Illinois. Dear moderately clever yet exhaustingly pretentious trio or quartet of names. Love it. I have the third pick in a 10-team league. And where is it, Chris? Double-sided. Okay. 5x5 five five Roto. <laughs> Trout and Altuve went 1-2. and two. It's a slow draft. It's already happening. I almost pulled the trigger on Goldschmidt. When I threw caution to the wind, and I picked Turner, and now I'm having buyer's remorse. Can someone make me feel better about Turner over Goldschmidt? There's a humidor. Yeah. I could make you feel better about it. I've got him by number two player. He's going to hit over 300. He's going to steal 60 bases. He might hit 20 home runs and score 120 runs. Okay. 
Let me ask you this. If Trey Turner hits over 300, 20 homers, let's say 18 homers, 60 steals, 105 runs, will he be better than Mike Trout? If I guarantee you those numbers, do you take him ahead of Mike Trout? Well, uh, if he does that, he's, to he's going to have more than 105 runs, right? You, have to, you probably need to guarantee me Mike Trout's numbers, too. No, I'm not. I'm saying you know what to expect from So Trout. you're saying will Mike Trout be better than 300, 105, 60 steals, so, and 20 homers? I can yeah. kind of answer this question. Uh, Pocota, I have a Pocota spreadsheet with his value, where, with every player's projections. Uh, he's projected for 103 runs, 19 homers, 68 RBI. 51 stolen bases and a 290 average, and he's still well short of Mike Trout's projection, which is not really that outlandish. Okay. But, but he's saying if you give him 10 more steals, steals and batting average and points. a batting I average. mean, it's, Trout's going to be better. Okay, there you go. That's it for today's show. Catch our preview tomorrow. Tell your friends to subscribe to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. We'll talk to you Thursday.